copy of God's Word this morning, and please go to the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. I kind of like when we have staging up here. I was able to go hang out at the Hotel Noel uh, during that time and get refreshed and be ready for this. We're going to continue our study uh, this morning on a series that uh, we're calling the uh, Women of Christmas, and I messed that up, but that's okay, the Women of Christmas, and uh, we want to focus again on what the Lord is trying to teach us during this special time of the year. We're going to be looking today at uh, one that was probably the first one that came to mind when you thought about the women of Christmas. That is when we're looking at the Virgin Mary. Uh, Mary is one who is either overemphasized by some uh, throughout church history or she's underemphasized by others. It's kind of a reaction uh, to that. Some have made Mary out to be far more uh, than she was, giving her a ranking and a position uh, that she herself would be horrified to know. 
Others, as a reaction to that, they have underemphasized her and gone to the other extreme and even tried to downplay Mary almost completely, it seems. And I don't believe that either approach is correct. We need to look at Mary for who she was. And that's what I want to do with you this morning. If you find your place there in Luke chapter 1, we'll begin there with familiar words. Luke chapter 1, uh, reading verses 26 through 38. Uh, the Bible says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give, to, give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, these are remarkable words, beloved, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now remember, we're looking at Mary today as she was. We're looking at her for who she was. So I want you to notice, first of all, that Mary, she was a girl. Mary was a girl. You say, well, that goes without saying. Well, maybe not in our day. We need to understand exactly what we're talking about. I want you to realize the scholars tell us that based upon that time frame and that culture and that time in history, she was a girl probably somewhere between the ages of 12 and 14 years of age. 12 to 14 years of age. We're not certain. Uh, some may think she's a little bit older than that, but somewhere between 12 and 14. Uh, maybe if you wanted to stretch it, you wanted to be 15 or 16. And that seems kind of crazy to us, 12 to 14 years of age. But in that time, in that culture, in that point in history, that was the norm. And this young girl was on the cusp of being married. She was betrothed. She was engaged to a young man by the name of Joseph. Now, the betrothal, it was much more binding than our engagements are um, in our time. We understand in our engagements, you, you get a ring, and if you want to break it off, you give the ring back, or he takes the ring back, and, you know, it's a horrible situation, but it's, it's not a, um, a legal thing. You just uh, give the ring back. You just say, no, we're not going to get married. But in that day, in that time, in that culture, the betrothal, it was a binding agreement. And it would take a legal action, it would take divorce to, to separate that couple. Now, during this time, the couple did not live together. 
They would do that after the marriage, following the engagement period. And so they would live apart, and then they would eventually come together, maybe after a year, and they would finalize, and the marriage would take place, and they would go into the marriage together. Now, don't get in your mind, beloved, that Mary walked around uh, in perfection. Don't get in your mind that Mary lived with a glow around her face. I don't want you to think about Mary as you might see her in the paintings where every time you see her, there's a light behind her. There's a glow about her around her head and you just look at her. I mean, you can use her as a nightlight when it's dark outside. That's not the Mary that we find here in the scripture. She was a normal girl. She was doing normal girl things during that time for a young lady in that time and that culture. No doubt, I imagine, she was eagerly looking forward to the time of marriage with Joseph. I have the privilege, as you probably know, of, of dealing with engaged couples. And they come to me and they say, we want to get married. And uh, would you do the, the ceremony? And so I say, well, we're going to go through a counseling, which we require here. And, and so we meet over a series of weeks upon weeks and months and sessions. And, and we go through that time. And, and I'll just be honest with you. Uh, if they're not excited, I get worried. To be honest, I mean, because it's an exciting time. You know, the young lady's on cloud nine. The, the young man doesn't know what's going on, and it just it just comes together. It's just a it's just a time of celebration, a time of excitement in their life. And I imagine that Mary's looking forward to her time with Joseph. Everything within the scripture seems to say that they were a great couple together, and they loved each other, and nothing says um, otherwise. And so Mary here, she is a girl, but it's interesting as we follow her story in Scripture, we see she's not only a girl, she was a girl who was graced by God. I love the words the angel Gabriel says to her in verse 28 that we read earlier. Look back at verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Uh, Gabriel says to rejoice, and he gives her basically three reasons why she ought to rejoice. Number one, you're highly favored by God. Number two, the Lord is with you. And number three, you are blessed among women. The Jewish people have been waiting for years upon years upon years for the birth of the Messiah. How many young Jewish women... Young ladies were hoping that they might be the one to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior. But Mary was the chosen one. She was favored by God. She was graced by God. Now, Mary was not perfect. Mary was not sinless. She was a sinner. She needed a Savior. She knew that. In fact, she has a poem or a song that she gives later in the same chapter. And just so you're aware that Mary knew that she needed a Savior, if you'll... Leave where we are right there and just go down a few more verses and find verses 46 and 47. I want you to see what Mary said about herself as she's speaking about God. Luke 1, 46 and 47. Verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Now notice verse 47. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary knew she wasn't perfect. Mary knew that she needed a Savior. She knew she needed the Messiah. She readily admits that in her song and her poem of praise. She knew she needed salvation. Listen, please understand that Mary, she was not chosen because of something she did. She was chosen because of the favor and grace of God. As God looked out upon humanity at the right time in the right place, he had the right person, a young lady by the name of Mary, and in favor and grace, he chose Mary 
to be the one who would bring about the birth of our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Here's the interesting thing. The same is true of us. God does not save us because we're just really something special or something good. No. The Bible says that we're sinners. The Bible says that we're not good. The Bible says that none does good. No, not one. In other words, we're rebels against God. We sin. We need a Savior. And He saves us not because we're good. He saves us because He's good. And He's full of grace and mercy. And He's the one that changes us and makes us good, if you will, as He makes us more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all because of His amazing grace. Now that we understand that, we know that Mary was not chosen because of what she had done, but because of the grace and favor of God. It is interesting to note that Mary was a very special young lady. I mean, God didn't just choose anybody to be the mother of Jesus. He chose a young lady by the name of Mary. And it would take a very special young lady to be the mother of Jesus. And that brings us to our third observation about Mary. And it's simply this. She was a girl who was godly. We know that she was a girl. We know that she was a girl graced by God. But we understand from reading the scripture here that she was a girl who was godly. And I want to show you that in the scripture. And studying Mary's life in the Bible, we learn so much about her. Granted, we'd like to know more. The majority of her life is lived without us knowing about what happened. And if you ever thought about that or not, the majority of her time on earth was not recorded for us in the Scripture. The majority of Jesus' early life, we have a little glimpse of him there at 12 as he goes to the temple and stays behind, but the majority of his early life is not recorded for us. And as much as we like to, we're not told a lot about those things. We're not given the details, but we can see what is recorded in the Scripture. And when we look at what is recorded in the Scripture, we learn quite a bit about this special young lady named Mary. Um, we notice, first of all, that she was pure. She was pure. The Bible emphasizes over and over again that she was a virgin. And that is so important. And if you ever wonder, why is it so important that Jesus be born of a virgin? Well, because if Jesus was born... Uh, like you and me, as the result of a, a union of a man and a woman, then he would have had a sin nature like you and me. And if Jesus had received a sinful nature like you and me, then he could not have died for our sin. He could not have atoned for our sin. And so by being born of a virgin, not the union of a man and a woman, but the Holy Spirit coming upon a virgin and implanting the Lord Jesus in the womb of this virgin, he's able to step into humanity Perfect God, perfect man, sinless. And because he's sinless, he then could take our sin upon himself and be our substitute and our Savior. Now, Mary was pure. She was pure. And it reminds us we should be pure as well. And that is no small task in the day in which we live where impurity is pushed at us on a daily basis no matter where we go or where we are. Uh, everywhere we turn, there's opportunity to sin, to be impure, to be unholy. Uh, Mary, she was pure, and we should be as well as God helps us. Secondly, we notice that she was obedient, and she was submissive to the Lord. Are you impressed with her as much as I am when she responds to Gabriel's announcement? I mean, put yourself 
and Mary's sandals for a moment. We don't know the exact circumstances. We don't know exactly where she was and what she was doing at that moment. Um, maybe she was out walking in the field. I don't know what she was doing. But imagine you're going about your day-to-day life. Uh, you're a young person between maybe the ages of 12 and 14 years of age. You're on the cusp of getting married and starting your life with your husband. And all of a sudden an angel appears to you. What's going to be your response? Well, you notice when the angel appears to most people, what are their first words? Do not fear, right? I mean, because it could be a startling thing. But it's interesting that this angel says, rejoice because you're highly favored of God. The Lord is with you. You're going to be blessed. And you're going to bring forth a son and name him Jesus. And it's impressive to realize how her response was so logical. Because her first response was simply a question, right? Um, she says, how can, I, how can this be? I've never known a man. It doesn't mean she's never met a man. It means she's never known a man in a sexual way. And so she, she says, how can this be? And then Gabriel tells her what is coming. Look at what he says in verse 38. Uh, look at what she says to him in verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord... Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. What in the world? Is that all she's going to say? I mean, an angel just appeared to her and said, you're going to have a son. You're going to give birth to the Savior, Jesus. And what does Mary say? She says, well, how can that be? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. And then what does she say? Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Really? That's all? Let's be honest about it. How many of us would have been satisfied with that response? How many of us would have said, well, no, wait a minute. Let, let me see if I get this straight. What about this? What about that? What about this over yonder? We would want every detail. We have all kinds of questions. We want a timeline. We want to know how's this, how's this going to work out? How's this going to look to people? What is Joseph going to say? What is Joseph's parents going to say? What are my parents going to say? Who's going to believe me? What in the world are you talking about? But Mary doesn't say any of that. It's amazing to me to see this, this step of faith that she, that she takes. She just says, yes. Thy will be done. That's what she said. Let it be to me according to your will. This is incredible. This was no easy assignment. This was going to be hardship from day one. Who's going to believe her? I mean, honestly, who's going to believe her? See, you're pregnant, yeah. Still pure, still a virgin. Who's going to believe her? Hardship from day one. She will appear to other people to be an adulteress, to be unfaithful. Her life as she had it maybe in her mind planned out, it would be forever altered. What in the world is she going to say to Joseph? But she said yes. And then on top of that, not only the, the physical hardship, imagine the assignment she's just been given. She's been given the assignment to be the earthly mother of God in the flesh. Now I know that you think your child is perfect and lovely and wonderful, and they are. They are. But imagine you give birth to not only a perfect child, you give birth to the one who made you. She gave birth to the one who created her. She gave birth 
to God and the flesh. Talk about a little bit of pressure. You're going to be the mother of Jesus. But she said yes. Makes me wonder, beloved, are we this quick to respond to the Lord's calling on our life? You see, the right answer to God, listen, the right answer to God is always yes. It's always yes. You don't have to wonder about that. When God speaks, the right answer is yes. Yes. Thy will be done. Remember, He always has our good and His glory in mind. But that does not mean that it's going to be easy. I've told you time and time again, I'll keep telling you. Oftentimes, following Jesus doesn't make life easier. It makes life harder. Because you're going against the flow. You're going against the world, the flesh, the devil, the temptations, and all that's going on. And, and it's hard, but the Lord enables us and strengthens us. He's given us His Holy Spirit to reside within us, to help us. He's given us the body of Christ and prayer and all these means of grace. And, and, he, and He strengthens us, but the journey can be very, very difficult, just as it was for this young lady named Mary. Listen, some of you are listening to me today, and you're contemplating, you're weighing out your next step in life. You might be thinking about your career. You might be thinking about schooling. You might be thinking about marriage. Or maybe you're further along, you're contemplating the next steps in life, whether you're going to retire, what you're going to do when you do retire, or whatever. Well, let me just ask you, have you consulted the Lord about those steps? Have you stopped and asked the Lord, what would thou have me do? I mean, I want your will on these things, Father. I need direction. I need guidance on these things. Have you sought out His counsel? Do you really want to know? Are you really open to what He has to say? You see, a lot of times that's why we don't seek His counsel. Sometimes we kind of know in our minds, in our hearts, we kind of know really how God is directing, and we're not real sure we're happy with that. We're not sure we really want to go that direction, because I, I kind of thought I wanted to do this. When I was much younger, I wanted to be a banker. I even had my own bank. It was G.I. Joe Savings and Loan. <laughs> I wanted to be a banker, a businessman. A little bit later, I thought maybe I could be a, maybe a, a, a sports broadcaster, especially like, you know, maybe, maybe they could announce for the Atlanta Braves. That would be really cool. And then at one point in my life, I realized what God's calling was. It's interesting. I, I do go to the bank, and I, I did get to do some announcing, not for sports, but for radio. But God's calling was different. But the answer had to be yes. And maybe you're looking at your life. Maybe you're a younger person here, and you're contemplating your life. Do you really want to know what God wants you to do? Are you really open to it? Because a lot of times we want to know the options, but that's not the way the Lord works. It's not, well, Lord, tell me what to do so I can consider whether I do it. That's not the way it works. He's Lord. He's Master. He's Savior. Um, he's the one in charge. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You kind of think about it like a blank contract. Uh, in, in life, none of us would probably be foolish enough to sign a blank contract and hand it to somebody else. But that's really what we do with the Lord, with our life. I've actually done that in my life. I sign my name at the bottom of the paper and say, Lord, you fill in the rest. 
That's what it is to be a follower of Christ. That's what it is to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Mary had all these thoughts in her mind. I'm sure she was going to be a wonderful um, wife and mother and, and her life, and she was going to live there with Joseph and, and so forth. But God says, listen, I've got a slightly different plan for you. Joseph is still involved, and that's still involved, but I've got a heavenly assignment. So I just want to ask you, are you really open today to what God wants you to do? Mary said yes. And yes is always the right answer to God. You say, well, I don't know the details. That's okay, he does. <laughs> you know why God doesn't often give us all the details? Probably because it would scare us to death. As much as we'd like to know, well, what's going to happen in our life? God knows that knowing some things would totally debilitate us. We wouldn't be able to function. You knew the day you were going to die, if you knew what was going to happen, you knew about that hardship or whatever. It might hinder you now because the Christian life is living day by day, moment by moment, second by second, following the Lord Jesus and trusting Him for the next step. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. And that's the great challenge. We want to lean on our understanding. But he says, trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways, not just some of them, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your steps. He shall make your path straight. He'll direct your life. And I'm just amazed at what Mary says here in verse 38. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy will. Thy will be done. It's not always easy. Even the Lord Jesus Himself, you remember, He's there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He's crying out to the fathers, in the way, can this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Mary said yes. The right answer to God is always yes, even when we don't know the details. She was pure. She was submissive. She was obedient. And then it's interesting when you study Mary's life. She was knowledgeable in the Scriptures. She was knowledgeable in the Scriptures. Now, she didn't have a personal completed copy of the Bible like you and I do. In fact, much of the Bible that you and I study a lot, the New Testament was not written. I mean, she's living this out in real life. But you know, she would have known the, the Scriptural stories, the Old Testament stories and and it's interesting, when you look at Mary's life, she was very knowledgeable in the Scriptures. Her poem, or her song, revealed that fact. Now remember, she's a girl probably somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. Are you still there in Luke 1? This time, drop down to verse 46. I want you to read the words with me of this girl who was graced by God, who was a godly girl who knew the Scriptures. And consider... What she's saying, you know, obviously she's saying this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because it's Scripture, but notice what she says beginning at verse 46. This 12, 13, 14 year old girl, maybe 15, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Humility, by the way, is another characteristic of hers. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. 
He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Look at verses 54 and 55, talking about the Abrahamic covenant. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. One author I read said this, In many respects, this, what we just read from her, resembles Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Listen, what we just read quotes or appears to allude to at least a dozen Old Testament passages. What she just said alludes or quotes or is based upon at least a dozen Old Testament passages. And this is a girl between maybe 12 and 14 years old that nobody really knew outside of her small sphere. And yet she knew the Scriptures. If you read carefully about Mary and her life, you'll find she was one who meditated or thought very deeply. Uh, You're still there in Luke 1. Go to Luke 2. Notice what it says in Luke 2, verse 19. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. It says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You're still in Luke 2? Drop down to verse 51. Verse 51. Luke 2, 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them about Jesus. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. She was one who pondered, who thought deeply about things, who meditated upon the Scriptures, who remembered the Scriptures. She filled her heart and life Obviously with the Word of God. And she did not have the advantages that you and I have. And she did not have a completed copy of the canon of Scripture at their disposal. I mean, think about I can't imagine how many Bibles I have in my own possession. I carry a Bible everywhere I go. When I carry my phone, it's on there. In multiple translations. In multiple languages. Not that that helps me, but it's there. Freely available, freely open. But how often do we take advantage? But imagine this young lady just hearing the stories, just listening to the stories in times of worship, in times of of, of listening to the, the truths of Scripture. She hides them, she meditates, she thinks about them. And then without, with, throughout Jesus' life, she's thinking about these things. Remember, she knows the truth. Nobody else may believe her. Nobody else may honestly think she's telling the truth. But she knows who Jesus is. You know, it's easy to follow the Lord when everything's going well. That's easy. But what about, what about when things get hard? If you think about Mary's life, I want, I want to fast forward. We have this advantage with Mary's life we don't have with ours. And I want you to remember, when you're studying a a Bible character, we have the advantage of seeing the whole scope of whatever is revealed. Next week, we'll finish up the series, and the lady that we're going to study is very little revealed, but we see what it is, and we can look at it. But when you see someone like Mary or other Scripture characters, you can watch their life over a long time frame, where more than just a minute or two or a month, but over a series of years. And have you ever thought about how Mary finished? We know how she started. It was an excellent start. 
Behold, the men of the Lord be it unto me according to your word. But have you ever really considered and studied Mary's life out later? How did she finish? Well, we do know that she was, she was at the cross the day the Lord Jesus died. In fact, you can jot this reference down. If you want to look it up, you can. I'm going to read it. John 19, 25, and 27. The Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. Obviously, by this point in Mary's life, Joseph is dead. He's gone. We don't know what happened to Joseph. Uh, Joseph, I think, is one of the unsung heroes of the Christmas story. I think it will be really fun to sit down and talk with Joseph, don't you, when we get to heaven? Be able to hear some of the accounts of what happened. Imagine being the earthly father, if you will, uh, the foster father, stepfather. He wasn't physically related to him, but the one selected by God to serve in that role of Jesus. But at this point, obviously, Joseph is dead. Mary is there. Imagine the heartache that pierces her soul as she watches the Lord Jesus die on the cross. You know, Simeon had prophesied that there's a sword going to pierce your soul, and it's happening. I mean, she's not only watching the Savior die, she's watching her son die. There's nothing she can do about it. She's there in agony watching him die. And the Lord Jesus from the cross says to the one he loved, that is, John, behold your mother. To his mother, behold your son. He committed to John's care, Mary. Talk about hardship. We know at this point that obviously she's lost her husband. She's watching her son die. But what about after that? How does she respond after that? It's interesting. We're told. The Bible tells us as we fast forward again in her life, this time she's mentioned in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles of the early church. We find her in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, believe it or not. At this point, you have to remember the Lord Jesus has gone to the cross. He's died. He's been buried. He's rose again. He's been on the earth in his uh, time of showing himself. And now he's ascended back to heaven where he is this very moment. So you have here the beginnings of what we call the early church prior to the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 1, we find an interesting account. In verses 12 through 14, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem. So Jesus has ascended back to heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room, listen, where they were staying. Now I want you to listen to the list. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, now listen to verse 14, Acts 1.14. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Hmm. Last time we see Mary mentioned by name in the scripture. What do we find her doing? 
she's there with those early believers and she's praying with them. Notice they're not praying to her. She's praying with them to the Father. She believed. Her children, his brothers, believed. I, I think it's safe to say she finished. Well, there's so much more we can say about Mary. We did wrap this up. As I studied and prayed, one truth from Mary's life rose to the surface. And I thought I would share it with you today. We know that Mary was a girl. We know that Mary was a girl who was graced by God. We know that Mary was a girl who was godly. And finally, really, we know that she was a girl who magnified the Lord. She actually says that in her own words back at verse 46. Mary said in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, My soul magnifies the Lord. That is, my soul glorifies, my soul exalts, my soul praises, my soul makes much of, my soul lifts up, my soul magnifies the Lord. And that is what we're supposed to do at Christmas. That's what we're supposed to do in life. I want you to understand something. She said yes to Jesus. And then she magnified Jesus. That's our job too. You might be here today and the Lord Jesus, through His Holy Spirit, is dealing with your heart. And you know that you need Him. You know that you need Him. You know you need forgiveness of sin. You know that you need the Savior. Say yes to Him today. And then many of you, you've already said yes to Him as Savior. Well, why are we here? To magnify Him. To glorify Him. That's what life is all about. Talk about simplifying things. Life is complicated. You've noticed that, right? We're, we're driving that van we have now, and that thing's complicated as all get out. i got to remember... Yeah, it stops on its own. You're right. <laughs> i got to remember what button to push. What button to push this time. What button to push that. Life is complicated. Some of you are wondering, what is the purpose of your life? It's real simple. Magnify the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we have church. That's why the Lord saved us. That's why we go to our jobs, our schools, whatever we do, He has us here to magnify the Lord. The Bible says it very plainly. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mary's life was a life that magnified the Lord. Isn't it going to be fun? We're going to pray. Isn't it going to be fun? Isn't, is that a good word? Isn't, isn't, is that all right to say that? Isn't it going to be fun to meet Mary face to face? Sit down with Mary in heaven. So what was it like to raise Jesus? What was it like to, to help Jesus learn to walk? Learn to talk? <laughs> learn to go about His responsibilities and duties? Help Him with His math homework? What was that like? 
That's Mary. She was faithful at the beginning. She was faithful at the end. She's in glory now. Let us all learn from her and magnify the Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Father, I pray if anybody here does not know Christ, Lord, bring them to yourself. May they be saved this hour. Father, I pray for believers that maybe are struggling and wondering, what do I do? What do I do? May they submit today in obedience and say, whatever you want, Lord, I'm here. Thy will be done. And then, Lord, help us all to magnify, to exalt, to glorify the Lord Jesus this Christmas season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open today. Closing hymn, 199. Oh, come, all ye faithful. We can help you in some regard. I'm here. Pastor Larry will be here. You need to be saved. We'd love to help you with that. If you need to come and just pray. Maybe you've got a burden or a need or you're really seeking the Lord. Just come and pray on your own. That's fine, too. Let's stand and sing, Oh, come, all ye faithful, 199.